Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I'm using the uh, epistle reading today, Paul's letter to Timothy as the text. Please be seated. And at the beginning of that text, Paul encourages people to pray for all people and for kings and authorities and people in high positions. In an election year, those are sometimes, oftentimes, people that we don't like. And yet God wants us to pray for them. And there are some people that are just so easy to dislike. And they can be so disliked that it's almost enjoyable when bad things happen to them. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Yeah. Some celebrities, athletes, and of course political figures fit into that mold of, I don't like them. Stereotypically, lawyers and used car salesmen fit into that too. People we don't like people we'd rather not deal with, people we'd like to avoid, and we may even react with disgust around them. We don't want to deal with them. In fact, we'd rather see them get theirs. But it's not just athletes or celebrities or political figures that are people that we don't like or don't want to deal with. There are oftentimes people that are just around us every day, too. Relatives, Neighbors, classmates, teammates, employers, fellow employees, fellow church members, teachers, professors, students can all be people that we just don't like. So how do we deal with them? Well, according to the reading, God desires that we pray for them. But he also desires that we speak well of them. And I get to quote to you today from one of the best books ever written, The Small Catechism of Martin Luther. And I'm sorry if this is bringing back bad memories of confirmation class for you, but uh, I'll deal with it. Anyway, the Eighth Commandment, which is, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Or if you have the older version, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And there's the good Lutheran question, what does this mean? Luther says that we should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation. That's the negative part, okay, not to do those things. Those are the things we shouldn't do. Don't lie about your neighbor, betray him, slander, or hurt their reputation. And then there's the positive thing, things we should do. But defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. Or if you're like me, you prefer the older version, to put the best construction on everything. Meaning, about our neighbor about all people, that we shouldn't tell lies about them, betray them, slander, or hurt their reputation, but instead 
to defend them, speak well of them, and explain everything in the kindest way, or put the best construction on everything. That can be hard to do, especially for people we just don't like. But I think it's true that Christians have to and should put up with more out of people, especially those that we don't like. We're to defend our neighbors, to put their actions and words in the best light possible and not the worst light possible. Defending our neighbors should be our default setting, even when dealing with people that we'd rather not deal with, we'd like to avoid, and we just don't like. Now, sometimes this means saying good things about them, even when you don't want to. And if you can't find something good to say about somebody, then don't say anything. Sometimes speaking well of our neighbor is not saying anything at all. But defending your neighbor, speaking well of them, and uh, putting the best construction on things always means talking to God about them, praying for them, even when you'd rather not. Because in that second reading, again, Paul encourages us to pray for them and for all people, especially for kings and those in high positions of authority. Well, we might say to Paul today, Paul, that's easy for you to say. You're not dealing with the disgusting people that I've got to deal with here. But yeah, he was actually, because back then, who was in control? Who, were, who was the king? Who was the authority at the time? It was the Roman Empire. And the emperor at the time was Nero. Yeah, that guy. The one who saw most of the city of Rome burned, and who did he blame it on? Followers of Jesus. Under Nero, there was never a shortage of, of Christians to, to, for, to be put with the gladiators and the lions in the public arenas. I mean, this guy even took followers of Jesus and used them as human torches for his parties to light the, the, the parties that he had. And yet Paul urges prayer for him and for all in authority. Why? Because it's good. Because it's the right thing to do. And because God wants those in authority to govern well. And the better they govern, the easier it is for God's people to live godly lives. Because God wants us to live lives that are peaceful and quiet, and so that we can share the gospel with others without fear of reprisal. We may disagree with authorities. You may even be disgusted by them. But praying for them is for their good and ours, because it helps us keep peace despite disagreeing with them. Prayer can help us keep from an attitude of anger 
in our disagreement with those that are in authority or those around us that we just don't like. And prayer is not just for the authorities, but as Paul says, for all people, everyone, even the people who disgust us and that we don't like and we'd rather avoid and don't want to deal with and don't want to pray for them. Why? Because it's good and it's the right thing to do. But mostly because God has done this for us and shouldn't have. God is holy and pure. We're not. We are poor, miserable sinners who are by nature sinful and unclean. God shouldn't have anything to do with us. He should avoid us. He should even dislike us. God shouldn't deal with us, but He does. And He chooses to deal with us by coming into our world in human flesh, in His Son, Jesus Christ, to relate to us. And coming to us is Jesus dying for us to take away what separates us from God, our disgusting sin. Jesus does this by giving His life, by going to the cross and dying on it there, paying the cost of punishment that we deserve. God should choose to see terrible things happen to us. He should should want to see us get ours. But He doesn't. Instead, God deals with us by His mercy and His love and grace. And He saves us from getting ours. Jesus took what was ours, the suffering and death He endured on the cross, the penalty for our sin that we should have to do, and He takes it on Himself. We don't get ours. He took ours. And while He was here on earth, while Jesus was here, He prayed for us. Even on the cross, when He was dying, Jesus prayed. He prayed for those who hated Him, who had Him falsely arrested and beaten and accused, and finally nailing him to that cross, he prayed for them, saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That prayer is just as much for us as it was for those people who put him on that cross. And now, back in his heavenly home, Jesus still prays for us, and he mediates between us and God for our forgiveness. You know, that reading to to Timothy, uh, Paul's letter to Timothy talks about there's one mediator between God and and people, that's Jesus. And and He's still mediating for us, still praying for us. In in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, the writer says, God is able to save all those who draw near to Him because He always lives to make intercession 
for them. Jesus lives. He rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. And in heaven, He's not just sitting around doing nothing. He's still interceding for us, still mediating for us, still praying for us. And God wants us to mediate and pray for all people. Why? Because it's good. And it pleases God. Because God desires for all people to be forgiven and saved. That's such a beautiful part of that letter to Timothy here where there's these, all these, you know, I want you to pray for these people. I know you don't like these people, these kings and authorities and all those people around you that, don't, that you don't like, but you need to pray for them because God desires that they be saved. I know that you have people in your life that you don't like. Well, I don't know that. I'm pretty darn sure of that, though. If you're like any other human being, and there's some that, that you don't like, and they're not Christians. Pray for them. Pray for them because God wants them to be saved. He wants us to pray that all people will be saved, even people who disgust us and we don't want to be around, we don't want to deal with, we don't like. But God wants us to pray for them I think at least partly so that we don't give up hope for them. God doesn't give up hope for them. He's never given up hope for you. God wants them to receive the mercy and grace that you've been given in Jesus. He wants to see them change. He wants to see them be saved too. And our prayer can reflect that. Nobody is beyond hope. Even if you don't like them, you want to avoid them, you don't want to deal with them, you think they're hopeless, they are not. It, it was during the late 1970s and, and the mid-1980s when there were a lot of Christian speakers and authors that were, that were writing, they were targeting the evils of rock and rock, rock musicians. And some of their criticism was warranted, but I think a lot of the times it just went way overboard in, in their criticism. And I recall having one such book where, where the author went alphabetically with every band and rock musician there was at the time, alphabetically going through this book and listing all of the evil things about them and why you should dislike them and avoid them and not deal with them. And I remember at least in part his treatment of of Alice Cooper. If you don't know who Alice Cooper is, he's hard to explain. <laughs> if you do know who he is, shame on you. <laughs> he's playing at ACL this year, too. <laughs> and I would go, but I hate crowds. But, um, and prices. Anyway, I'm, I'm so German. Um, <laughs> Mr. Cooper is hard, hard to describe. His music is weird, horror, kind of shock rock sort of thing. And the writer said something of Mr. Cooper that he is a terrible abuser of drugs and alcohol and is guilty of all kinds of perversion in his music. But what I really remember him writing was he labeled him as hopeless. If you didn't know it, 
Vincent Fournier, which is Mr. Cooper's real name, he's a Christian and greatly involved in ministry in his hometown in Phoenix. And it's not just him, but several people that this guy really tore apart in this book, they have since been saved and come to know the truth about Jesus Christ and receive his mercy. No one is hopeless. No matter how much you dislike them, want to avoid them, don't want to deal with them, people are not hopeless. Jesus died for them as much as he died for you. And our prayer can reflect that. You you want to speak well of somebody you don't like and defend them and put the best construction on things? Pray for their salvation. That they too would come to know the love and mercy of Jesus. Now I'm not saying that you should pray for any famous person that people don't like. That's not a bad idea though. You can can feel free to do that because they need it. But, But do pray for those in authority and for those that you know, even those that you don't like. By speaking well of them, defending them, and most of all, by praying for them. You want to defend somebody, speak well of them, speak well of them to God. Pray for them. Here's something hard to do. Actually, this would be easy to do. Make a list of all the people you don't like. That should be easy, right? You guys have people you don't like. We already established that, didn't we? Okay? Make a list of them. Pray for them. Maybe that's the harder part. Then be honest. God, I don't like these people. They maybe even disgust me. I'd rather not deal with them. I'd like to avoid them. But I'm going to pray for them because you can deal with them. You can change them. You changed me. They're not hopeless. Jesus suffered and died for you. Why? Not necessarily because he liked you. He loved you. And he loves all people as well, even those in authority and in high positions, even people you don't like and you'd rather not pray for. We may not like people, but through Christ, we can love them and pray for them. We'll do that as we stand to pray here in just a bit, or kneel to pray. But until then, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Amen.